Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. Glad that you're with us. Taking some time to be with us on Season 4, Episode 17, which the theme for this season is Far Better Than, and today is focusing on my failures. Focusing on my failures. This is such an important topic. Uh, We've talked for two episodes and alluded last time about sports. There are so many things in the sporting world that are considered to be a failure. You know, you you miss a pass, you miss a blocking assignment, you you miss a shot, uh, you miss the opportunity to uh, to score something along those lines, and it's deemed a failure. And that's what we're talking about today: is being able to overcome failure and being able to push past it. But we've got with us one last time for this this particular three episode arc. I hope to have them back on in the future. We have Josh Walker and Cody McCoy. And we're going to start with Cody. What I've done in the past, I told them off the air, is I like to find out maybe some quirks about them, something that maybe they could tell that people would find interesting or maybe they wouldn't know. And I gave them an example that most of you don't know. Uh, I have an inflatable Spider-Man in my office. Uh, it, it sits up on one of my bookshelves, and I won it, I think, during Foundations one year. We went to uh, golf and games. And I won the ability to pick something, and Adam wanted the Spider-Man. And then he said, Daddy, you can keep it. So it sits in my office, and uh, I I have a little Adam corner on that bookshelf. And if you were ever in my office, you'll notice there's Spider-Man sunglasses, there's a water gun, there is a little toy game that he gave me, some army men. None of those are my things except the bottle of Coke that has his name on it. I bought that when we found out what we were going to name him. Uh, but everything else is his on that little corner of the bookshelf. If you come in here and you act like it's mine, we can't be friends. Uh, but we're going to start with Cody, and we're going to ask Cody to tell us something about him that maybe people wouldn't know or something that he just thought would be interesting to share. Cody, go ahead. Well, it might be something only a few of my classmates know. I'm an avid disc golfer, and that's not something I've done all my life, but the popularity of that's picked up, and it's something that I do with my my two sons, and I thoroughly enjoy that. Uh, The quirky thing is that if I'm not in a suit, I'm wearing an Arkansas Razorback shirt, hoodie, sweatshirt of something, and people ask me, is that really all you have in your wardrobe? Yes, it's really all I have. (laughs) So you're you're kind of like the uh, the player team, you know, kind of uh, the, what is it? What do they call the pro personnel or shop? The pro shop. You have a bunch of pro shop memorabilia in your house. Okay, uh, Josh, what about you? I don't necessarily know if it's a talent, um, but you know, I have three children, and then you add uh, a total of nine nieces or nephews to that. And every time that someone made the announcement that they were pregnant. Uh, within 24 hours, I guessed the gender, and I was what? 12 for 12. Wow! In every one of them, 100 percent, which I didn't think was that big a deal because it's a 50 50 shot. But some math uh, professor at the community college, when I made that point, said that the odds of that happening are wow are almost <laughs> impossible. So yeah, I, I, I guessed every gender uh, correctly uh, for all my all my kids and my nieces and nephews. So when y'all look in the show notes and you see Josh Walker's email and you're looking to find out the gender of your child, wouldn't hurt to shoot him an email, but it has to be within the first 24 hours. Well, I, don't, you're I, don't, I don't make any guarantees now. I'm, I'm sticking with the 12 and 0 record. There you go. I don't retiring. guess anymore. Yeah. That's, my dad played Madden against me one year and he won and he said, I retire. That's, that's <laughs> it. I'm done. And I don't, I don't really appreciate that. It's not within the spirit of the sport to retire after you win one time. Uh, he won't listen probably to this, ex- this specific episode. So he won't know that I called him out like that. But uh, dad, if you did hear this, 
I want a rematch. And so uh, we're talking today about my failures, not my failures, but far better than focusing upon my failures. And this is, again, such an important topic. I can think of no better way to close out our three-episode arc with these two gentlemen than to talk about that specific subject, because as a preaching school student, you go through a period where you might feel like you've made some failures in your time here. You know, you miss a memory verse, you miss a assignment that, you know, you thought you had nailed and then you get it back. And brother Mosier has said, no, that's not what I thought you were going to do. Uh, I can remember working on a paper. I turned it into brother Mosier and he, uh, he marked out the first five pages and said, I don't know why you wrote that. That had nothing to do with the topic. I felt like a failure in that moment. Uh, and so as we think about failure, There's a lot of different ways you can quantify and define it. Uh, But the first question I've got is, how can failure negatively impact the Christian's life? I I think by having that first failure, you know, we opened the show up talking about sports. And um, and even my son, who's a really good disc golfer, but if he misses a putt, it's going to affect his next shot. Yeah. And then if it affects his next shot, then it's going to affect the one after that. He doesn't have this clearing mechanism yet. And so you try to talk them through that or, or the guy on the basketball court that misses the shot and then it turns into where he's four for 30 that night. It happens for the Christian. Um, when we have a failure, it doesn't have to mean that you just give up on it. I, the, the illustration that was shared with me in, in management and growing up in that was just because you have a flat tire doesn't mean you get out of the car and slash the other three. <laughs> yeah. There has to be something in our life that tells us, okay, it's a failure. Um, and, and it doesn't have to define the rest of our life or the rest of our day um, because we failed. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up in that and then it becomes quicksand. The more we try to do or the more that we dwell on that, the, the more failures we make to where we feel like it's a point of no return. But really, it's not. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think the only time really that failure negatively impacts somebody is when it, it causes us to give up. Uh, I think there's. We're all going to fail. I think when you study the Bible, I think one thing, one of the greatest things about God, there are a lot of things, obviously, but if you read the Bible, you, you, you learn that God, uh, I don't want to say expects failure, but he knows it's going to happen. And, uh, and he's put things in place for you to recover from it. Uh, I often think about the trial of Jesus and, and the apostles and if, if you read that, I mean, there's failures all over the place. Uh, the main two are, are probably Judas and, and Peter. Uh, Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. And it's not the failures that necessarily define these two individuals. It's how they reacted to their failures. Uh, Judas went out, unfortunately, and hung himself uh, out of guilt. Uh, Peter, uh, I, I'm convinced, had the same amount of guilt uh, but ends up, uh, you know, being someone that everyone admires. And I'm convinced that had Judas handled his failure the same way Peter handled his failure, then we'd be talking about Judas in a whole different light right now. Uh, it's not the failure that defined them. It's how they reacted to it. Uh, some of the best lessons learned, at least for me personally, have been through failure and, and you know, and, uh, successes, uh, successes are good. And I try and build on those and, and take from those what I can take. But, uh, I think the, the most I've ever learned in my life overall has been through failures. 
Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned going four for 30, Cody. Uh, that's that's definitely a night where you would not want to meet the reporters after to talk about the night you had on the court. Uh, but so much of our lives have been built off of good percentages. Uh, in basketball, you want to have a good free throw percentage. You want to be able to have a good three-point percentage if you pull up from three to shoot. You want to be a guy that's very accurate with his passes. And they they end your season. They take a human being's life. And I'm guilty of doing this because I'm a big football guy. And they make it all about numbers. And then an NFL team or a sports organization determines whether you get signed again or not based on those numbers. And I think football right now is probably the most guilty. Uh, I often look at the quarterbacks that get drafted and then the teams do nothing to help them and they're failing. They're not doing well. And then the team says, well, guess he was just a bad quarterback. Maybe, just maybe, he lacked a couple of help that he, a couple of things that would have helped him. And maybe you threw him to the wolves because he didn't have an offensive line. He didn't have a good running game, didn't have a good receiving game. Maybe the defense was terrible and he had to be on the field all the time. And the more you're on the field trying to play catch up, the more likely you're going to throw an interception or fumble or have a turnover. All of those things are never considered because the team at the end of the day is right, no matter what you say. And fans can have outrage and outcry, but we're recording this two days from the NFL draft. And I guarantee you, during this weekend that's coming up, there's going to be at least one or two teams at the very minimum that are going to make a decision to draft a specific position that they don't need to draft, but they're going to draft it because they haven't done well enough with the player they drafted a year or two ago. And now they're thinking, well, we'll get another guy and he's going to do better. Maybe. Maybe you've got to change how you're doing that first because failure is not just defined as what that player does on the field, but also what the people helping him do for him. When we look at failure and having that bottom line of you either are successful or you're not, I am thankful that when we study about Christian success, it's not about numbers in that way. And we can argue i guess that it is about numbers you know you need to be at church you need to make the the services and do all of these projects and things but ultimately god's not going to sit there on the day of judgment with me in front of him and say how's your free throw percentage how'd you do from the floor how'd you do from post you know all of these he's not going to say any of that but we have it in our minds that perfection is required and i think a lot of it comes down to What's successful? A movie is only successful if it makes a lot at the box office. A restaurant's only successful if it sells a lot of product. How do we define success from that perspective then if we're always worried about being perfect? And so that's the next question. Are Christians always going to be perfect? No. Yeah, you Look, we know that. And the thing that's, that's great about um, the lack of perfection in Christianity is we talked about failures in sports and i love how we take worldly illustrations because it magnifies what god does for us in christian failures it can be as if that failure never happened you think about all the things that we know from the sporting world whether it be chris weber's timeout uh, bill buckner the ball going through his legs those failures stayed with those men for the rest of their life in christianity we don't have to carry that failure God said that he'll remember it no more. And I think that that's the thing when we lay those two aside, that we're able to be okay with us not being perfect. Um, John would write about it. I don't know if we want to get in it right here, but it seems to fit. Um, 1 John 1, 7 through 9, he's talking about, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanseth, continual action, from all sin. So if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But here's the part where the failure gets to be taken care of. If we confess our sins, he, talking about God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's telling us you're not going to be perfect, and you don't have to be, but you have to be faithful. There has to be the effort that's put forth, and failure should sting for us. It's the only thing that will modify or change our behavior, and failure has to have sting to it, and I'm glad that it does. Yeah, that's a good point. To go to 1 John 1 and verse 8, you know, uh, John wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we're lying. Uh, which indicates that there's that understanding by God. And I think that's probably where failure at times, for at least from a Christian perspective, hurts because we put God in uh, the same category that we put the world or even our fellow Christians. And and unfortunately, the world definitely, and, and sometimes those within the church, uh, ridicule our failure to the point that uh, it's almost as if they they want us to fail. Uh, and, and, and from that standpoint, when the reality is God doesn't want us to fail, but he knows that at times we are, and he understands, and he gives us that way. And, and one of the beautiful things about the Bible is uh, men who the, the Bible holds in high esteem, we learn about their failures as well. You know, Abraham failed at times. Uh, David uh, committed adultery and murdered. Uh, that was a failure. Uh, you look at, you know, we mentioned Peter earlier. He failed. Paul, he failed. Yet the Bible elevates these men as great men. And, and what it gives us is, one, they failed. And we can learn from that, but then it also tells us how they resolved that failure, how they came back from that failure. And it gives us that example that failure is inevitable, but it's not unconquerable. And, and there are pauses that come from it. But like Cody said, you can come back from a failure and it almost be as if it never happened because uh, positives come from it. I, I want to add one more to that. You know, that list is pretty impressive, right? Because those have become heroes for us. But what about Samson, right? Every time that Samson comes up, we have about people, oh, he's a womanizer and he was a hothead and he was always flying off the handle. But when you look in Hebrews 11 that we call our Faith Hall of Fame, who's there in verse 32? Samson's there. And it, it makes me change my mind about the way I look at those that are abject failures for the most part of their life, because we have to remember he judged Israel for 20 years and we get some snapshots and they were full of failures, but God remembered him in a way that he was faithful. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we're going to inadvertently call Jesus a failure too, because there was one thing that Jesus did not accomplish. The whole world did not follow him. That is something that Jesus did not do. He did not get that to happen. Of course, that was prophesied that it wouldn't, and Jesus knew that. But if the man of God, son of God, excuse me, who is the most perfect person to ever walk on this earth can give opportunity, the best preacher that this world has ever or will ever seen, can stand and proclaim in John chapter 6, verses 60 all the way to 65, all of these truths, and then many people walk with him no more. Jesus could have gotten the rest of his days and said, I'm a failure. That's not what he said. Jesus understood 
that it's free will. Man has a right to choose whether he's going to serve God or not. What Jesus did was successful, same as Noah was successful, same as the prophets were successful, because they gave opportunity. And when we get too bogged down with the numbers of things, how many conversions has that preacher had? How many opportunities has he um, seized and been able to convert the, you know, the denominational people of our world? We don't hold Jesus to that standard. And my goal as a preacher and your goals as preachers and your goal as a Christian, you listening, is to imitate Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. And if I imitate Christ, and that means I'm going to have people that will hear what I say, they're going to hear what Jesus said, and they're going to walk no more, and they're going to turn away and leave. And I can sit down in the easy chair that night and say, I'm a failure, but I never saw Jesus do that. I saw Jesus understand, though it broke his heart that people left, he couldn't get everybody because people have free moral agency to choose where they're going to go, which leads us to this last question, the ultimate failure. You know, in, in the sporting world, probably the ultimate failure is differently defined depending on the person you talk to. I, I think if you talk to Dan Marino, he would say in some ways he considers his career to be a failure because he never got to a Super Bowl. But I think if you also talk to some other players like the Buffalo Bills who went to four straight Super Bowls and lost every one of them, they're probably going to tell you we were a failure because we got there and we couldn't finish. And so the ultimate failure might be differently defined. Uh, some players might say, you know, I was good, but I wasn't great enough to make the Hall of Fame. Knew I wasn't going to win a Super Bowl. I was on a terrible team. But I just didn't do enough to make the Hall of Fame, and therefore my career was a failure. Or a player gets injured, and he's often not able to make it onto the field. And after five seasons, he's out of the league. I think the average NFL career is four years. And it gets shorter, it seems, every year is when we talk about it. Because I remember a couple of years ago, it was seven. Uh, or not a couple, but about 10 years ago, it was about seven years is what the number was. And it was a little shorter depending on the position, but now it's at four. And it gets shorter and shorter, which means you've got maybe four years to make an impact. That is one NFL contract if you were drafted. If you're not drafted, it's even less time. And the ultimate failure can be defined so differently throughout the sporting world. Christians do have an ultimate failure. What is it? I, I guess we could wax eloquently about this, but, uh, but I'll credit my thoughts and, and my quote to Glenn Colley. In 1996, I'd gone off to Freed Hardeman. I'd been a Christian for two years, but knew that if I wanted to get married one day, I should go where the Christian women are. And I would come back home. He was preaching at the Carnival Church of Christ here in Memphis. And uh, he would sit the young people down on their front pews for their pew packers. Kids sing is what they call it. And he would ask them at the end of every Sunday lesson before he would start the Sunday evening service. What is true success? And the children would answer, living your life and going to heaven. And then he would ask them, what is true failure? And they would answer, living your life and not going to heaven. And that's as simple as it gets. And it's something that we've taught our children um, from the time that they were able to speak and understand. It's even on our refrigerator here at the school. It goes with us everywhere. And what I'm trying to tell my children is, you do whatever it takes to go to heaven. That's a great point. And, and we, you know, we've been talking about how, you know, failure is expected and, uh, and it's not the, the end all be all that we can recover from failure and are expected to recover from failure. I think we have a danger though, that we get complacent, uh, with failure, uh, or we get complacent, um, in the sense that we start to gauge our what's failure and not failure by the world standards. And, and that's been, 
touched on a little bit is is when we you know you talked about Christ being a failure by the world's standard, you could say he was uh, because the world is not looking at the things that matter. Uh, he he wasn't rich. He wasn't a king. He he didn't uh, rise to power the way the world would expect him to. Uh, but the reality is, is he's the most successful person ever walked the face of this earth. He accomplished uh, the greatest task that's ever been uh, accomplished on this earth. And so I think from a failure standpoint, one, we need to define what true failure is. Uh, I can be homeless. I can have no money to my name uh, and, and have nothing as far as an impact left on this world by the world's standards. But if I wake up in paradise the way Lazarus did, then I'm 100% success. Whereas in the rich man in that same story, by the world's standard, was nothing but success. But in the reality is, he was the ultimate failure. And I think, you know, he got complacent. Matthew 7 you, you know, from a church perspective, Matthew 7, Christ would say that there will be, be those who come to us and they say, didn't we, you know, prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. You will make that more modern. You know, there'll be those who say, didn't I attend every Sunday? Didn't I attend every Wednesday? But you got complacent uh, and, and uh, that's that's gonna have the it's gonna Christ is gonna have the same conversation with some people from that standpoint too. Yeah, I've heard it said before that, and it's an old adage and quote. But you die twice: first, when you actually pass away, and second, when your name is uttered for the last time. And what a haunting thought that is to consider that on this earth, one day it could be the case that the three of our names will come up in conversation for the last time. Uh, that's hard to imagine living right now and though some of us are older than others and some of us have been on the earth longer and maybe feeling more like cody mentioned we, we might wax more eloquently about the fact that life is fleeting uh it's still haunting to think that one day our name will be uttered for the last time and so so much of life is spent trying to make an impact to where our name will last forever on this earth as long as it's lingering people will talk about the impact that we made I think about your dad, Josh, and Brother Garland Elkins, and Curtis Cates, and so many other names we could mention. I can get on YouTube right now and plug in a sermon they preached and watch it. I watched the Phil Donahue show the other night. I've heard your mom, Josh, walking in on a, a during the day and hear her listening to your dad preaching, and the impact continues. That's a life that's successful, not because they preached, but because here it is, and like the Bible said, he being dead yet speaketh, and here they are continuing to make an impact past the time that they've had on this earth. But there is a problem with that phraseology, because in truth, there is a second death. It's real. It's active. It does happen, and right now, there are people that are experiencing that, just like the rich man in the story of the rich man of Lazarus, who at this very moment is in torment. And that second death is far worse than my name ceasing to be brought up ever again. That is ultimate failure. Like we're talking about defining. And I can think of no more horrible way to have my legacy on this earth, be somebody that made a big impact from the physical side of things past that that's it you know this this week elon musk bought twitter cool that's really neat that he was able to do that 40 44 billion dollar deal at the time that i read it at least that's what it said 
And yet, if that man doesn't change his life, he will go down in the true history as a failure. Man that had $44 billion to his name as a failure. True success and true failure are not how the world define it, which means as preachers, we need to be careful that we're giving the right things when we preach and stand and proclaim. Elders, of course, need to be making sure that they hold the members accountable to following what the Bible says. Deacons need to make sure that they serve in such a way that encourage other people to serve. Members need to be making sure that they're trying to live for God. Ultimately, as well, mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters need to be looking out for their loved ones and pushing them, saying, come on, let's go. We can make it. We can make it. Um, I'm really thankful to have had these two gentlemen on the podcast with me. I haven't known them for very long. I've known I've known of Josh for several years and gotten to see Cody sometimes throughout the history of my life, but I've really gotten to gain a respect for them as students of the gospel as they've been finishing up their two years here. And I know they would tell you if you want to reach out to them, like we mentioned in the first episode, uh, they'd be happy to talk to you about their time here. And I know that they... Uh, have been quoted as having said they do it again in a heartbeat. And school is not always the easiest thing to do, but the blessing is when you finish, I've hardly heard from people who come here and they they really buy into what is being done. I've hardly heard from them, I'd never do it again. Oftentimes, they, some of them even say, can we just please start over the two-year program one more time and just do it one more time? You know, I, I might have missed some things. I dropped a pen. I need to go back and get some notes. I miss the camaraderie. And you wake up one day and you realize you're seven years away from your, your class, and that's, that's hard to believe. Uh, but I'm thankful to have had these gentlemen on the podcast with me this week. Uh, their information is down in the show notes. Uh, Lord willing, we'll continue on with our theme of f- focusing on different things that need to be considered. And next time we are together, we're going to have Drew Suttles and Jameson Stewart. And they are regular hosts of their own programs on the, the Scatter the Broad Network. But we're going to talk about sports. And we talked about failures today. They're going to be on to talk about success. And so I hope you'll tune in for that uh, and be a part of the episodes that we have planned coming up after this. Um, Until then, let's make sure that we please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.